This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, this podcast is all that you get. Ted Lasso podcast and poster recaps. Oh, you better believe it. It's that Ted Lasso talk here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by Antonio Mazzaro. As always, Antonio, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Josh. I feel like, th- is this not necessarily our penultimate podcast episode of the season, but this was the penultimate episode of the season. And as a result, things happened. And I have feelings so, about those. This things. was a. This is. I don't know what you're talking. An uneventful. Yeah. Ah, I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's eventful. Not uneventful. even fun. Eventful. It's yeah. just eventful. That would be funventful. Funventful. Uh, no, eventful. Not especially fun. A couple things that I really, really loved. Uh, you know, I love seeing Ted and Sharon like that, and I'm also. Uh, Sharon gone like uh, this was an episode that like made me more upset than anything <laughs> you know, like I kind of <laughs> walked away from this episode of Ted Lasso being like no walked uh, away in, res- in response yeah a big wah energy uh, walking away from the midnight train of Royston season 2 episode 11 uh, of Ted Lasso penultimate uh, and as such conflicts coming to a head uh, being set up to come to even more of a head. What happens after you've come to a head? I don't. I, I, the phrasing do you want me is not to? Me do you off. want me to try that a different way? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, what happens after the shit hits the fan? You saying what then happens after the climax? You have to hit. You have to clean it. You have to clean the fan. Uh, I, you, you're, you're saying what's our what's our resolution going to be from all yeah, of the, the conflict? Like it's that dirty. This season is full of. It's dirty. Yeah. The conflict is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, every everywhere in the room. We're gonna this have is, to clean the conflict up. This is yeah. Ghost came in. This is uh. This is what people wanted, Josh. This is what all those keyboard warriors. I want oh, That I sugar wanna, people. This I is wanna, what people wanted. People wanted conflict. Well, now it's here, and I don't like it. I want to correct the record. I want. Okay. I, I want. The, I want to point back to like what was it? Episode three, where I'm like. Give me a Roy Kent who only shows up on TV. Give me a Roy. 
<laughs> yeah, that is what you were asking. Give me a that is what you wanted. that only shows up on TV. Yes. Give me a coach beard that only pops up for fun in games. Like, uh, I think I was rooting pretty hard for, like, Ted Lasso to just be a hangout show where nothing really happened and people just get to live their lives. But no, of course, uh, like, you do want a story here. You want the characters to go through things. Um but I think one of the big issues that now we're running into as we are looking towards the end of, uh, you know, this long walk through the dark forest, the Empire Strikes Back season of Ted Lasso, is that a lot of these characters who we like a whole lot are behaving in ways that are making us consider whether or not we like them that much anymore in some yep. cases. Yep. Um, or like, uh, like, I still like you, but why? Or like, I still like you. I know why. Why, as like uh, you're now turning your gaze towards the writers, are you doing this? Right. Um, and so, like, there's a lot of that energy, I think, around the show right now. Uh, I'm certainly feeling a, a decent amount of that as well. Uh, so, I think we'll get into a lot of like the whys of that, uh, break down the storylines this week, all that good stuff as we uh, as we board the train. Choo choo, as we say, as we board the midnight train to Royston. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, sorry. You know, yeah, no, so it's sorry. okay. It's okay. And, <laughs> you know, as I said earlier, so much was written by so many people from all different outlets on the internet about the lack of conflict in this season when we threw the Christmas episode in after yes. what episode four that was. I think that was episode five, the Christmas one, or was that episode three and the Christmas was four? Either way, people were dying and begging for this conflict and saying the show wasn't as good because there wasn't an antagonist. And then there was a lot of, well, depression is the antagonist and, you know, or, or negative energy is the antagonist. And Ted Lasso's uh, ethos is the ethos of the whole show to combat this negative energy. But the realism of the show has always been something that is potentially uh, up for debate, right? Especially with regard to the sport. Uh, and they they've certainly have bent the rules, it seems, on the realism of uh, the sport in this particular episode. But um, the realism of, like conflict or let's say just the natural response to things uh, is sometimes there and sometimes not. And I do think in the case of some of this conflict, it feels very real to me. Like it doesn't feel like if someone like Nate were elevated to the position that he was and were sort of ignored in the way that he's been in terms of his mentorship from Ted this season, that bad things wouldn't happen. It feels very realistic that bad things are happening with this particular character. Then you have the conflict between Roy and Keeley, which feels very manufactured for the purposes of TV, at least to me. But it feels that way because these characters were also manufactured for the purposes of TV. So I can't really find fault with the people who created the characters saying, we feel this is the direction that we should take them. So I'm a little bit, uh, I'm in a little bit of a difficult position with my feelings on this, Josh, because there are definitely things I want to talk about with this episode. I'm sort of introducing a couple of them there, but I don't know exactly how to feel ultimately. Like I know how I do feel, but I don't know if it's misplaced or if my anger is appropriate or if my frustration is appropriate. So I'm looking forward to talking it out with you for sure. Yeah. So we'll talk it all through in just a sec. Quick, before we do, just want to give a shout out. We talked about it last time uh, at the end of last week's Ted Lasso uh, podcast. It is October, folks. It is the birthday month of post-show recaps on Patreon. We are celebrating all month long with 
patrons of post show recaps, which I imagine includes many of you listening to this, and I know includes uh, or does not yet include many of you who are listening to this, but I hope to change that. We have something really cool that we are doing over the course of October that I'm very proud uh, to talk about uh, and feel great about talking about. It is the post show recaps patron discord campus tour. Uh, for $10 a month, you get access to the post show recaps patron discord. It is our vibrant community filled with fabulous people who are talking about all sorts of things, whether it's Ted Lasso or another amazing show, uh, or it's food, it's life, it's their hobbies, it's their vibes, it's all of that good stuff, people making friends left and right, and it's been a really enriching, nourishing, soulful community that I'm so proud of having some measure of a hand in helping to build. Um, we are now opening that up to a certain extent to the $5 patrons of Post Show Recaps. At the $5 level, you get bonus podcasts, you get access to the Post Show Recaps patron podcast feed, but now you also get access to the Post Show Recaps patron Discord campus tour, which is a wing of the Discord that is studded with a bunch of really fun channels where you can talk about your favorite shows, you can talk about your your meal planning, you can talk about Halloween, you can talk to a, a crazy gold prize prospector named Frank Lee Oldmembers, uh, who runs a casino that you can compete in casino games against. And it has been absolutely delightful. We've gotten to know all sorts of people from uh, from the patron community who had not yet been in on the Discord level. And it's been an utter blast. I'm having so much fun with the Campus Tour. We want to invite you along for the ride. Drop $5 in the month of October. We'll bring you into the Discord. We'll give you a tour of the campus. I'm around. Other podcasters are around. Antonio, are you around? I'm around. I'm around Howard. You're no, I'm around Howard. Oh, you are at AC Mazar. I messed it up. I messed uh, it up. Well, listen, if you want to tweet out around Howard with takes for Antonio, I'll do my best impression. Yeah. Yes, uh, absolutely. Send him all of your Liverpool or yeah. Bearcat sports or anything. We'll see what I can do. What is my, uh, how, how well can I impersonate Antonio on the internet is something I'm very interested in trying. Maybe that could be a channel in the Discord. Yeah, that could be fun. Like body swap. I don't yes. know. Social media handle swap. Either way, <laughs> we want to see you in here. Uh, it's $5 for the month of October. You come on in, you get not only those bonus podcasts that are part of the Poster Recaps patron feed, like YA, which is Kevin Mahadeo and Melissa Woodward's young adult fiction podcast. They're talking about spooky movies for the month of October. You get no time to pod from Jess Lees and Grace Leader. They're talking about all sorts of James Bond movies. But now you also get to hang out in the Discord. We think it's a really, really good deal. We want to see you in there, especially as we are barreling towards the finish line with uh, Ted Lasso um, coming up to the end of Season 2. So consider signing up. Patreon.com slash post show recaps it's patreon.com slash post show recaps if you have any questions about the process uh you can hit us up on twitter at round howard is me uh and then you could also tweet antonio at ac mazzaro uh, and he will do his best impression of me yeah. uh informing you on the benefits of, of becoming a patron of post show recaps yeah i'm here for it i can definitely do it uh i know the pitch i'm i'm down i'm down and honestly you didn't even uh, include the part that i like which is People are in here just playing Dungeons and Dragons constantly and like talking about it. And it was not a thing that I was into until the Discord was created. And now, like, I know about it. I enjoy it. Like, I, I have learned about, uh, this thing that has existed in the world for a very long time, uh, that I now feel like I understand. And that's really cool. I don't know why, but it, it just, it's really appealing to me. So there's a lot of stuff like that. I feel like if there, I have a question on a particular thing, I can always ask and somebody in there is going to know. Yeah, so it's a really great community. We want you to be a part of it. Consider signing up. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. Show some support for your favorite podcast on its birthday month. 
five bucks for that Discord access, patreon.com slash post show recaps. We're going to talk about all things Ted Lasso in just a second. First, we're going to throw it to our sponsors for a quick ad break. Then we'll be back talking through everything. Midnight train to Royston. Hang on one sec. We'll be RB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we're back. Uh, Midnight train to Royston, Antonio. Where to even begin? Perhaps at the beginning. Yeah. A very Perhaps good place at the to beginning. start. <laughs> Perhaps at the beginning. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, I said this earlier. The, uh, the situation, of course, is that we have been tracking... The loosely, uh, the the show has not been super concerned about this throughout. Obviously, uh, the 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 priorities of the fortunes of AFC Richmond, the club, and whether or not they will be uh, promoted back to the Premier League. Uh, Arlo White's commentary at the beginning of this episode sets the stakes and makes clear when and you're in. Win the next match. All AFC Richmond has to do is win one match and they will be promoted back to the Premier League. So that's where they're at. It doesn't seem like they're going with the traditional championship playoff promotion model um, because were they to lose the next match, it sounds like they would still be eligible for a playoff tournament. I don't think the show cares anything about that. The show has dumbed it down and wants us to know that if they win the next one, they're in. So those are the stakes for the club AFC Richmond. But of course, the individuals who make up that club, they have a lot of other things going on. And a big one that we have from the start is the ascendancy, Josh, of Sam Obasanya. Yes, uh, he is having a moment uh, in his career. He's he's responsible for for winning this game that we see at the uh, at the start of the episode. Uh, and this is like. Uh, as he promised, he only gets more wonderful, right? Like uh, that That's is a good what, point. That is what he told he did tell us. Tell us this would happen, you know. Uh, and so, like, there's a lot of interest in in Sam right now um, on the show. Of course, you know the whole storyline with Rebecca and your mileage may vary on all of that, um, and certainly does vary on all of that. Um, but one thing that is happening that is unequivocal is that uh, the world uh, is uh, is uh, all eyes on on Sam, uh, and very specifically uh, that uh, there's there's one person uh, who uh, who is new to the show that has eyes on Sam and wants to take Sam away from AFC Richmond. Uh, we see Edwin Akufo, uh, who is uh, who is showing up here uh, in season two of Ted Lasso, and this is. Uh, Sam Richardson is the actor. Yep, Sam Richardson. Uh, uh, you may know from the New Girl or from Veep or from the Tomorrow War. Which, from- like, sadly, like, I'm not like th- those are all things that like I probably should have checked out in more substantial ways, but never have. So, like, yeah. 
I know Sam Richardson is like kind of a moment and like I've missed a little bit of the moment. So like I've got some uh, certainly on Veep, like I probably should I probably should go back and watch Veep. You definitely know him. Uh, I know you know him, Josh, as the little buff boys host or the baby of the year host. <laughs> yeah, from I, think I think you should, should leave, leave with Tim yes. Robinson. Yes, yes, which I love, which I love. Uh, you know his his participation in that, and I don't know if it was Tomorrow War, but he has some sort of future war uh, role that he plays in one of those sketches as well. So I've I've enjoyed him in that for sure. Yes, that is uh, so. Sam Richardson, probably more known for his comic performances at this stage in his career, for sure, uh, whether it's sketch shows like Detroiters or I Think You Should Leave or, as I said, Veep, where he played Richard Splett very memorably. Uh, there are just a lot of uh, roles he's had, but they seem to be mostly comedic in nature. And I would say, would you say that this is a comic role? Like, I mean, obviously he makes jokes, but part of my issue with Sam Richardson is he's sort of famous for this like offbeat or... Uh, just like uh, almost as an aside, non sequitur like delivery that he made his bones and veep on that as Richard Splett. So I never really know what the motivation of the character is. Did you walk away from this episode thinking Edwin Akufo is like, is, is truly a force for good? Or he's this guy who couldn't help but tell Sam, look, I bought out this museum. I bought this work of art. Look, I bought this. I bought that. This is all a gag. Like, why does he have to come at Sam with this weird, like, flash mob mentality? I'm, I just don't, I don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this character at the end of the day maybe i'm yeah. maybe i'm wrong about this yeah no um i mean i think we're supposed to feel complicated uh because Lance the like, helicopter right in the middle of the pitch like in yeah. no world is that good you know there's at least one very bad thing that he wants to do which is remove sam obisanya from our television <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> but his motivations are pure at least seemingly. of course of course at least seemingly um and whether or not they are uh is uh, a matter for some for some discussion though i maybe i'm just such an innocent uncle tonio but i i want to believe even now even after everything and i love I love how hard we are working to not talk about the end of the episode yet. Let's just yeah. con let's confront that right now that yes, there is an elephant in the room yeah. and we are ignoring it. <laughs> we will not be able to for the whole I don't whole even know episode. what you're talking about. I don't even know what elephant you're talking about. We will not That's how be much able I'm to for the whole episode, but good lord, we are trying to just uh, uh, look away. Um, we're talking about anything else uh, before we have yeah, to get the episode into what's begins coming. with Sam. I think it. I think we I can agree. talk about Sam's situation. Of course, uh, he his family uh, has, has driven a lot of uh, his story in this second season. His father, especially, coming at him over his links with dubai air and sam on the ascendancy coming into his own uh and using his voice has been a, a welcome development for this character i'd say uh and something that i think has been largely positive on the show in in ways that it, it didn't have to be like we talked earlier in the season about the dubai air stuff and how the negative fallout from that in the real world um could be very bad uh there could be very real complications for his family at home or wherever they're living uh, and there could be very negative complications for him uh, in the public. And it just doesn't seem to have been the case. Like, if anything, the uh, show, the appearance of Edwin Akufo here shows that Sam is a guy who the world looks at very positively at this point. And that's fantastic that that is that journey for this character. But 
with that journey um, comes the possible opportunity to use that platform for something much more significant. And this this dream of this billionaire uh, to build something much more real and put Sam at the heart of it, not because of his football talent, which is incredible, but because of who he is as a person. Being rewarded for who you are as a person, your values, the actions that you take. I don't know that there's anything more rewarding uh, when it comes to like just having that level of confirmation that what you're doing is right and that the sacrifices you've made are, are, are right and to be recognized for the positivity that you've added to the world uh, is is great. And I, that's what Sam is getting, it seems like. That's what Sam is getting. I mean, I looked it up and the distance between Morocco uh, and Nigeria is significant. It's like 65 yeah. hours by car. Uh, so this isn't technically home, but Africa is home in a way that I don't know uh, anyone who's not part of diaspora of some community could ever really appreciate, right? Like there's the place you're living now and then there's home. And Sam is not home. He's at the place he's living now. And I think the pitch is at least pure on that level. Uh, Morocco and Northern Africa have a lot of, you know, they're not, I think the media gets this and not the media, but media in general, um, films, stories, TV, whatever it is, get this wrong all the time. Like, and one of the things I really appreciated about this episode was the Ghana, Kenya or Ghana, uh, Nigeria sort of loose rivalry that uh, the characters were displaying. Um, Africa is, is, is one continent, but to treat it all with one brush, I think is something media gets wrong a lot. And so it is a little interesting to me to say Morocco is the same as Nigeria when they couldn't be more different in, in many respects. So, that part of it to me, it, it's interesting to think about. Like, what what is Sam interested in? What are, what are his goals as a footballer? Uh, because going to this club at this time is maybe not the best chance of success as a footballer. Um, you can win titles, club titles in Africa. You can win the Moroccan League, uh, and you can perhaps be the best club in Africa or however the federation uh, is aligned. I know that is typically an Egyptian club. Uh, I think they've won the most uh, of those kind of titles. But um, what is that? Is that what he wants out of his career? Is that the best opportunity for him to have the biggest platform to say things about the Dubai heirs of the world? I don't know. But I will say, this is conflict I like. I absolutely like that this character has grown in a way that because of his growth, he now has other opportunities and he has to evaluate what he's doing. I don't like that the Rebecca stuff is wrapped up in it very much, and I really don't like how it was wrapped up in it in this episode, but it's unavoidable, and it it certainly, I think the decision could have had weight behind it without that hanging over it. Uh, and I feel like the writers in some ways painted themselves into a corner by having to have Rebecca's interest be part of this, or the Rebecca and Sam of it all be part of this, but it not being a major part. She says three sentences to him at, in his, at his doorstep and walks away. And like, in three sentences, I, I felt very stay. selfish. Yep. I can't make you stay, but I don't want you to leave. Yep. Gotta go by. <laughs> yep. yep. And it's like, this yeah. is not so the, the, the Sam decision doesn't feel about that, even though it feels connected to that and influenced by that, even if it's only three sentences. So I am a little frustrated about that. It's sure. clearly on Sam's mind. Uh, when Sam scores his hat trick, he gets a text from Rebecca like, oh, my gosh, have a nice night. It's like, this is not what Sam wants. You see, if you look at his text, that there was an unanswered text from Sam to Rebecca, where it's like, I miss you. I'd really like to see you. Uh, so I don't like that this is part of that. And that part's really frustrating to me. But otherwise, I really do like that Sam is in a position where the natural byproduct of Ted having more faith in him, 
using him more as an attacker, giving him a new role, putting faith in him and backing him and telling him to use his voice. All of these things come from the positive environment at AFC Richmond that Ted Lasso, the manager, has fostered. So it makes sense that we would have a natural conflict that emerges from the success that emerges from that. So uh, I really do like that aspect of it, for sure. But the Rebecca stuff, I don't know. How do you feel about the whole thing with Sam? I don't I don't love the Rebecca piece of it, for sure. I've, I, I really uh, love like the choice that's facing Sam as a character and that... Um, you know, like clearly the show is living in a universe where, um, what he did and his protest was, uh, was widely received, uh, uh, was widely embraced, right? Like the message right. behind all of that. Um, and so, like, you know, we didn't get into the real consequences of that from, like, you know, a way in which that would probably play out in, like, our, our, like, our nightmare universe. Um, and Ted Lasso clearly, as, as especially demonstrated this week, has, uh, nightmare scenarios, it, even within its quote unquote joyful universe. Um, so, but we are, this is a consequence, right? Like, this is a consequence of, of his protest. This is a consequence of him standing up to Dubai Air, uh, and Cerithium Oil and everything like that. Um, he's been, uh, the, the world knows him as a hero. And, um, I love this for Sam. And I think, like, I know what I want out of this. I feel, I feel, I feel like what I want out of this is for him to go. I feel like I, I, I want him Same. to go. Same. And, I want I want him to leave. I want him to embrace this if this is a thing that he that he wants if he thinks this is going to be something that is that is good for him. Uh and like you know I cuz cuz more and more Antonio I really do want Ted Lasso to be a three season show. More and more like I really feel strongly like they've got the three season arc and like I don't know that I need this show to to go beyond that. But what I wouldn't I not only wouldn't mind but would really deeply love is like can we follow these other characters to different places? Can we follow the like can 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 we exist within the Ted Lasso cinematic universe, the TLCU? Uh you know, I'm I'm down for that cuz there's a lot of characters within this that I'd be really interested in in uh in seeing uh in different circumstances and going through their own stuff so like does this like backdoor pilot us into obisanya hell yeah <laughs> you know give me that i want that, that I need actually that. you're great that's great like set a new workplace comedy at you know the, at casablanca in morocco yeah. you know and have sam be at the heart of it and let's see Let's get Mo Salah on the show. Some of these other like African football legends that are currently playing. Like, let's have that happen. Let's do it. I think it. that would be amazing. Riyad Mahrez, step or none. I think that would be really great. Um, and I think um, one of the reasons that I I want that, like, one of the reasons why that's like my happiest scenario is because like I think it gets us out uh, of like the Sam and Rebecca stuff, which I think is not landing particularly well right now. Um, like, I, it's not hitting me particularly strongly. Like, I I I did I really didn't love Rebecca being there, and like that feels like uh like like thumb on the scale stuff that feels like kind of inappropriate in like a in a in a pretty significant way. Um, and like. Like, I just I want to move on from that stuff. I don't I don't want like frankly I because Hannah Waddingham is so incredible and Rebecca has been such a compelling character that I don't want her to be trapped in this storyline either. You know, like I don't know how we walk it back, but like I think I want this story to end. Uh, like I think I do. I think I want this story to end in a way that's going to be positive for Sam. And I think Sam getting the chance to to leave and embark on a brand new adventure that's closer to home, um, and then potentially like lead that with his own show like 
Hell yeah. I think that that is the thing uh, that would be that would be delightful to see. So I know that that's what I want. Is that what I think what will happen um, is another question. And I, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time predicting whether or not Sam is going to take Edwin up on this or not. Um, you did ask me earlier about like um, Edwin like being able to like buy out the museum and buy out the restaurant and like populate it with Banksy or whoever. Uh, the Banksy bit was ridiculous. I laughed so I hard laughed at really that gag every that time too. I watch this episode. Yeah. Uh, perfect thought, uh, perfect Banksy good. gag. Like I, I laughed the really hard. Was good. I enjoyed spilling that. that bag with uh-huh. the stencil and yeah. the spray paint. Yeah, Just a great. schlubby looking guy. That made yeah. me laugh so much. That was hilarious. That was Banksy. Um, that like uh, I I think it's I think it's funny and cute um, in the same way that I think a lot of like you know uh, wh- when it's at its best that like Ted's lassoisms are that way. Uh, so like a world in which these two characters are part of like this new show or something like that would be would be really 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 fun. Um, and I I want to believe that the intentions are pure. Like I want to believe um, y- you know not that the show hasn't given us like I think our we're like in like a, a bit of a as like as like the te- as Ted Lasso Nation, I think like our um, our trust is on shaky ground, right? Like, and I think by design, I think that the show, like, certainly through the arc of Nate, the not so great, um, we have gotten ourselves into this situation where like um, people who we thought we could trust on the show, maybe we can't trust them so much, and like maybe like this show that we've given our heart to is going to like hold it too tight you know like uh like uh tommy boy with the bread roll uh like you know we're in we're in like uh we're in uh my pretty new pet territory uh we're on the precipice of that um and so like i think like for like those reasons like i'm nervous that what's happening right now with sam is either somehow some way involved in like what we've sketched out as far as like some sort of tabloid nightmare with rupert Though I think that like that's going to feel redundant with the Trent Krim piece uh, that closes out this episode, which we'll talk about. Um, but uh, like I'm I'm nervous about something like that coming up, or that like something tabloid adjacent would derail Sam's ability to go. Like I'm I'm concerned about those possible things, uh, and that is sort of like muddying my ability to like kind of like clearly see where I think it's going to go. You know what I mean? Like not where it actually will, but like where I feel like the show will take it. Right. So I'll just, I'll just like lean towards what I want it to do. I want Sam to get out of here and I want Sam to lead his own show. I think, I, I think that that's the the best move given the circumstances right now. I agree. Uh, I agree. And it, the other thing is, and you're, you mentioned a lot of uh, very specific things that I think are important to track in terms of, the decision and how it will reverberate around the things that we've been introduced to and the realities of Ted Lasso, the show and all of that is, is correct. But this is also football. People move around in football all the time. Like that is it's two, two periods of every single season for weeks on end are dominated with talk of transfers. And that is just something where fans want it. Fans expect it. It's part of the game. People are used to this sort of thing. And it, it for various reasons. Now, most of the time, it's because players want a better opportunity. They want an opportunity to play for a higher wage or more titles, or they want to. Uh, they're uh, you know on the fringes of a higher ranked club, and they go to a lower level club or a lower ranked club, and then they get more playing time. Uh, they're of a certain age where they can't play a certain style, so they go to another club that plays a different style. There's a million reasons why players want to move, but player movement is so common in football. 
And it just hasn't been common in this show. And again, the show wants to take a certain view of the sport and really the football is not super important. Uh, the milieu of the sport is more important than the realities of it for driving the plot. But they do try to have their cake and eat it too with regard to that, obviously. Like one of the big things that we're building up to in this final moment of the season that it doesn't feel like really is important is whether they'll be promoted. Like we have not attached any stakes to that. The club's financial situation is not set to improve if they go back up. The players aren't on their way out if they don't get uh if they don't get promoted. Like we have no stakes attached to that. So I would rather the stakes be personal like this if we're going to go this route um and have that happen. Like this is something that I I can really approve of and I do want it for Sam as well. Although I don't want it because Edwin wants it. That's the part I don't, I'm not comfortable with. I, I appreciate that he says, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a walk in contradiction because I'm a billionaire who believes billionaires shouldn't exist. Um, some people, like, what was that guy's name? Tom Steyer decided that's a reason to run for president. Right. Uh, but that's not a good reason, uh, to, to, you know, to run for president. And it's certainly, uh, the motivation here I question because, Again, this is a Sam Richardson thing. I don't, I don't, Sam Richardson's performances and I just don't vibe because in the moment where he's saying to Sam, take as much time as you need, you have 72 hours. I can't actually tell if the 72 hour time deadline was a joke or not. Right. I think it wasn't. Uh, at least that's how I read it. Yeah. I, I didn't read it as a joke. Yeah. I mean, I didn't either, but then there was like so laughing and so goofy and like, I don't know why it has. I, anyway, point being. I don't know where we're at with that, but I would yep. I appreciate having that be a thing that's on the line uh, for this absent the relationship aspect and absent the the fortunes of AFC Richmond. I like this story on its own as a byproduct of Sam's success as a footballer and Sam using his platform. I don't care about it on any other real level, um, other than you know the that like it's a byproduct of Ted Lasso's management style at AFC Richmond. Take yourself all the way back to the credits of the show. Um, where Ted is sitting down and the seats around him gradually begin to change, right? And he leaves his imprint on a uh, already set situation. Um, this is a perfect example of the ultimate arc of the show, which is right. what is Ted's imprint on AFC Richmond. Sam in the ascendancy is a perfect example of that. And I really love it on that level. Yeah. And really like what's his imprint on the world, right? Like, you know, like how, right. How, like how, cause it's the big question. I think that so many of us have, and uh, you know, other than like, what happens after I die? Uh, you know, like, how am I going to change the world? I think is something that people think about. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing to change the world? What am I doing to make this a better place? I hope people ask that question. Uh, and I think, like, that's a question about Ted Lasso. Like, how do we change the world? How do we make people better? How do those people make uh, other people in the world better? And I think that, like, uh, this, uh, this imprint on Sam, as you say, uh, not that, like, he needed it. Sam was already wonderful. Uh, but I think like um, Sam's like sort of like meteoric rise under the Ted Lasso era. Uh, and then like, how, how do you go on outside of AFC Richmond and how do you change the world beyond these gates? Uh, right. I think would be, would be a cool thing to explore. Right. And it's especially, I don't love the idea that the message is that a white man uh, is the reason that the world changes, but a lot of things aren't going to get changed unless the Ted Lasso's of the world uh, really have an impact. But what I do like about that message is I like that what it comes from is compassion, empathy, yeah. kindness, all of the values that Ted Lasso has, regardless of who he is uh, as a Caucasian male. His values are ultimately 
what was used to help Sam grow. If you recall the beginning of season one, Sam is a guy who's having difficulty adjusting to the, to the league. Um, he's just come from Nigeria. He's super young. One of the first ways that Ted puts his imprint on the club is celebrating Sam's birthday yeah. and getting everybody to buy in. And so that's just a small act of kindness. It's a small act of compassion, recognizing the emotions that someone must be feeling, just like Ted, far from home, separated from his family, understanding that other people, even though they're very different to you, different age, different background, different place in the world, you may meet them at a place that is unfamiliar and foreign to you. You still have a ton in common. You're still human beings who should care about one another. And the fact is, I really love that. The, the, uh, that's, to me, the ultimate message of the show, Ted Lasso. Right. And so if that's the ultimate message of the character, Ted Lasso, helping people change the world through empathy and kindness, that's massive for me. And I, I really, I, I couldn't approve of that more. I think you've got a great idea there. Would make a great uh, first spinoff for Apple uh, in their TV, their burgeoning TV empire. Yeah. Uh, is to have the Sam Abasanya spinoff. So I'm I'm on board for that. I really am. And I, like I said, even though she looked like Kim Novak in Vertigo, which has long been either my favorite or one of my very favorite films, when she showed up wearing that coat with her hair and everything, her look uh, as she stood there at Sam's doorstep, um, it, de- it definitely rings of the femme fatale. Uh, it's just like, this is a thing that could distract you. Uh, this is not a thing that is part of this, really, even though it is. It's only part of it because it was contrived by the writers to be part of it. Uh, and so I have no issue putting that and saying, I don't even care about that aspect of it anymore. I don't know why, but the funeral, taking the time we've taken away, I'm, I'm not pining for Sam and Rebecca at this point. I just don't need it. I don't no, need it. I don't, I don't need it either. Um, I'm Sam, not- does, yeah, Sam does need it, I feel like, though. I just feel like Sam wants it that. And... It's not right. And somebody needed to say that to all these characters. Like, this is not appropriate. It's not right. And if people evaluated it on that level, just not what they wanted to do, uh, maybe this would be uh, evaluated differently. Even Rebecca has said multiple times, I need to end this. When she says to Sam is not that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how the show unravels this, honestly. Like, I I am like, I'm, I'm, you know, for better and for worse, I'm on the edge of my seat with it, right? Like, I'm really curious to see what's the finale, like, because what what kind of, like, messaging is the finale leaving us with as it pertains to all of this stuff? Um, I guess we'll see. A lot's in the air, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're crawling through it. I mean, we're still on, like, the Sam piece of it, so I think we can, and we're now talking Rebecca, I think we can, like, we can, we can leverage this to, like, Rebecca has for the second season in a row, like a penultimate confession with Ted to the point that like it's called out by yep. Ted, like by Ted in a very meta way where he's right? like, Rebecca, you did this in the penultimate episode last season too. What are you going to do in the penultimate episode next season? Yeah. Uh, you know, like literally what's her confession going to be? What's the truth bomb going to be? Do you think it's going to be Ted? Uh, Ted, I'm sorry. I, I did this. I was trying to thank you, Ted. I had an affair with Sam and then season three is going to be Ted. I love you. Is that what it is? Are we really going to get that much done before season three? Is that what people want now? I don't even know. Um, I, I mean, I can imagine that universe. I can also, there's two things that I thought about as far as like what, what could happen in the season three confession scene fires Uh, him. She fires him. Yes. That was the big one that came to mind that like she has to fire Ted. 
uh, whether for like, you know, like, you know, I would imagine for like some sort of reason that like Ted is able to like kind of like graciously accept. Yeah. Uh, like it's time for you to go home, Ted. Right. Go Something, be with your son. And that's why, like, if there's a three season arc like that fits right like that, that definitely that definitely hits. So that came to mind. And then the other thing that came to mind, though, I don't know what the substance of it would be, would be Ted coming to Rebecca to confess something. Uh, like something that like mirror, you know, is like a little bit of funhouse mirror type stuff. Um, but obviously now, like you can't not do something in the penultimate episode of season three. Uh, we will all be watching for some form of confession uh, yes. and we'll be disappointed if nothing occurs. Um, did you like this scene or are we just like, are we like kind of like, uh, let's get through this like uh, at this point? I'm kind of a little bit. I... Let's get through it at this point. I love the performances, but you know, like. Uh, that's about it. I really liked uh, Ted's reaction to it. Not the Samuel L. Jackson part of it, but like the great. Nope. Yes. I think it's fine. Like him clearly being uncomfortable with it, clearly not thinking it was fine, clearly not knowing what to say about it. And his advice to her, which is, it doesn't really feel that good, which is don't listen to me. Don't listen to anybody else except your gut and check in with your heart. They make good harmony, like two-thirds of Bone Thugs and Harmony. Uh, I mean, it's very Ted response to this, but I think in it being a very Ted response to it, I like that Ted was not comfortable about it, and I like that Ted felt like it was inappropriate and clearly did not know exactly where to come from uh, with the angle, uh, to come at it from that angle. So he just sort of said, yep, it's fine. You do what you want. You know, right. you trust yourself and no one else. So. I did like the Ted Lasso reaction to it. It felt real to me and it felt like it would have felt wrong for him to be all on board with it and feel great about it. Um, Like he sometimes has with her in the past, like it would have felt wrong for him to be entirely positive. Uh, So I I did like that aspect of it. Um, We had, uh, and I don't have my notes uh, in this way in front of me, but I just want to point out that uh, it, it is close in terms of the time stamps in the episode. Um, the episode, episode, uh, nine in season one was a lot shorter than season two's episode nine. Uh, I think episode nine in season one was like 33 minutes. This one was like at least 42 minutes, maybe more yeah. like 44. It's hard to tell with a long ass credits, Apple tax on at the end, but, um, either way, this one's the episode, the episode season one, uh, confession started around 11 minutes into the episode, give or take this one, almost 15 and a half minutes in. So they are at a very similar point. I think dramatically in the arc of the episode, not exactly the same timestamp, but if you're talking like end of first act, beginning of second act, maybe kind of thing, um, that's where we're at in these, these moments. So it definitely tracks. Uh, this is, this is definitely a thing. So I would say if you're in minute, uh, 10 to 15 of season three, episode nine, uh, light them up. Cause it's about to go down. It's about to go down. Um, all what about right. you? Anything else from the scene that you no, wanted to hit? Not, not majorly. I mean, I'm, you know, always like, you know, I uh, is 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 this sort of like in the bucket that we talked about last week? That like I get annoyed when the show gets a little navel gazely. Yeah, you know, like a little bit of like, you know, like we don't need to do the confession scene every season. You know, like it's not a thing that has to happen. But I think like part of it was a little bit mitigated for me actually by like. Ted almost like acknowledging that uh, and being like, I'll see you next season, basically. Like, I guess I kind of like appreciate that as like sort of like, um, you know, here are like here are like sort of like the like the 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 backbones of the narrative skeleton. Right. Like, you know, that like, 
uh, the rest of the animals like kind of like sprouting out from here, uh, you know, uh, in, in each season. But I think one of the things that I did, I don't love about it is like, so this is like the big thing of the season then, you know, and like, um, I, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't know that that, you know, or that like, that's sort of like the, the writerly interpretation that this is sort of like the big story of the season was like the Sam and Rebecca and Rebecca's feelings towards all of that. Um, and for me, like, I think that like, a much bigger story has been Ted and his anxiety and Ted and his panic attacking and, and everything that's going on there and Ted, like getting more comfortable with, with all of that. And also like sort of like the thing that can happen when um, like uh, a, a person in a leadership position is in tunnel vision and, and like so lost in the weeds on certain things of like some of what can happen um, under, underneath that umbrella, which a lot of that we are seeing with, with Nate which is uh, a lot of the stuff, uh, so much of the stuff that's happening with Nate are things that can be like sourced very specifically to Nate and his life. But I think the way in which it intersects with Ted and what Ted has been going through, um, to me, has felt like the bigger, like sort of like Ted Lasso story, both literally for the character, but also for for the show this season. So I, I didn't love it as like if we're every season we're doing like kind of a confession scene that this was sort of like the confession scene of season two. I don't know if that tracks. It does. Chickens are coming home to roost, I think. And damn. what what is happening ultimately... <laughs> yes, indeed. Damn. Uh, what is happening ultimately is a byproduct of Ted not being in the loop for people that he would count as friends uh, and not really understanding what's going on around him. People that he cares about. He's just... He's been dealing with his own shit. And because yeah. he's been dealing with his own shit, a lot of stuff has gone unnoticed by him uh, or has been uh, something that has, has been happening literally under his nose and he's not been realizing it. Uh, and the Nate stuff is a big part of that, of course, but the Rebecca stuff with Sam is another part of it. Um, Rebecca is there for Ted on Christmas and Rebecca, even though Ted says he's going to be busy all day, uh, makes it a point to go find him and see him uh, and make sure emotionally that he's okay and taken care of. And she's doing that for him. Um, Ted does not seem to have played as much of a role like that with Rebecca this season. Uh, he had the moment earlier in the season when he was talking about John Wink's night where he was just, he was the one who did not give her good advice, really did. Uh, later on, they basically said, we don't have anything to talk about. And they sort of sat there in an uncomfortable silence. Um, these two are very close. They have a lot of reasons to be very close. Ted has not played any part in Rebecca's banter relationship, uh, wondering who that was, tracking that. He's just not been part of It's probably not appropriate for him to be part of Sam's romantic life, but the team was very invested in it, and Ted didn't seem to know about that either. So I think it's all, this is all a byproduct of what I think is a very um, relatable and real storyline and an important one with Ted. I don't like it when the conflict comes from situations the writers create that I was already uncomfortable to begin with, like Rebecca and Sam influencing Sam's decision. But this is a decision that, who, who what motivates Ted Lasso why he would move away from his family to come do this thing that he knows nothing about halfway across the world. Uh, that was a big question in season one. The answering of it, finding out about some of those details in episode five, I think it is tan lines when we first find out about how his family situation isn't going well, the culmination of that in Rebecca, making Rebecca great again or make Rebecca great again when they go to Liverpool in episode eight. Like this has been the story about like why Ted Lasso would do such a thing why is he so positive? What motivates him? Those are the narrative questions we've been answering. And as we spent the time answering them, it feels very real and very natural. 
that the time he spent focusing on those things would mean that he wasn't tending to other things that were important to him. And as a result, things are going to sneak up on him. So Rebecca was always going to come clean to Ted. I don't like that it was in this moment. The show winked at it a little bit. I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. But it, it always needed to happen because they were a part by virtue of Ted not being part of her life because Ted was so focused on what he was doing. Yeah. So I appreciate that this is something that Ted needed to learn about and it, this that, that she feels comfortable talking to him in this moment. I mean, what happens is she meets with Edwin. Uh, there's some goofiness about the meeting. There are some funny lines in there. I especially liked when Edwin tells Ted, a sad white man is still a white man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Really good. Uh, and Ted's like, word. Like, it's just like, okay, yep, uh, you read me. I feel that. Like, I'm, it's wrong for me to be upset here because at the end of the day, I'm still who I am. Um, they have that meeting, and then Rebecca is distraught and doesn't know how to be distraught about it. Uh, and Keely, of course, blurts out like, but Rebecca loves Sam. And it's like, yeah, we all love Sam. But Ted needed to know. <laughs> yeah. Ted needed to know. So I don't mind that we have this scene. I don't mind that it's in this episode. Uh, I just mind that, um, you know, we're I, I actually don't mind really any of it. I just mind that the Rebecca and Sam relationship is such a major plot point, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, all right, we got to get at the other stuff. Uh, we got to start getting into the end of the episode. Every, you're talking about everything that's going on with Nate. Well, how about this? I will mitigate the. Uh, I will delay the inevitable just a little bit by throwing it to our sponsors one last time. They can help us ease the pain, Antonio, as you and I <laughs> gather our yes. thoughts. Nothing eases the pain like capitalism. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Let's throw it to our uh, to our uh, our corporate or overlords. Yes, uh, we please will... take my pain away. Hopefully, yes. it's a pharmaceutical ad. Oh my God! Who knows? I believe it's location dependent. Uh, we, yes. will we will throw You're to You're about to learn if your area is depressed. Yes, we will throw to our sponsors. We will be back in just a moment to talk about Nate and, oh gosh, all the not so great stuff. Be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, we are back. I do wonder what you got. Um,. Okay, um, so bad episode for Nate. <laughs> yeah, it's bad uh, episode for Nate. Uh, not not great. A lot of like in the Discord in our Ted Lasso channel, like a lot of those like immediate responses. Or you know, we were very uh, very all about the uh, the spoiler texting, so that you know on a Friday morning when people are logging in and watching the show, people are giving their thoughts behind like the spoiler text wall. And you like clicked on like ninety percent of them, and they were all just like F Nate, yeah, you know, all and caps. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah, 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 yep. yeah. yeah. Uh, this is bad, and I mean like 
there are degrees to which that this does feel like um, we are, you know, um, we are where we this was put in the GPS, right? You know, like, you know, even weeks ago, weeks ago, you know, like, yeah, a long, a long time coming. uh, Some of this stuff. Um, I don't know when you when you say in season one, like, how do you feel like some of what we saw between Nate and Ted in season one kind of feeds us to this choke point where Nate has uh, gone to Trent Krim with Ted's panic attacks? Uh, how does, how does like what we saw in season one? And then of course I feel like what we see in season two, like clearly gets us here, but like, I, I would just love to, uh, just as like an Antonio Mazzaro fan, uh, would love to like, <laughs> sort of like hear your, 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 uh, like hear you walk that line. He's prone to lashing out. Like he has these deeply held feelings just under the surface. We see it most, uh, prominently in his team talk that he gives where it's banter and he's cutting guys down, but it's just right up to the edge of inappropriate banter uh, and reading people in the way that he does. And it's so at the ready uh, and so like off the cuff that this is clearly a thing that Nate thinks about. And we know this about Nate from season two, right? He's a guy who says, oh, well, I, I say ideas as though I just thought of them, but really I've thought about them for a really long time. And it's my way of seeming smart in the moment. Like this is a guy who is calculated who is thoughtful uh, and who has anger issues and who really has been mistreated a lot in his life. Um, we see that in season one as well. Uh, we see the bullying, the direct bullying, right? Like we see him being shoved into lockers, essentially, quite yeah, literally yeah. by Jamie and I think by Isaac and Colin um, and by people who regretted it and by people who he later gets on a better page with. But th- we see a lot of Nate being mistreated in season one. We see Ted take him under his wing We know this is a guy who, when he throws, I've said this multiple times, but like his most important object is a pair of sunglasses he was wearing when a woman once told him he looked like Clive Owen. So this is a a sad, angry man. Uh, And it's a sad, angry man who is also calculated and who can be very destructive and damaging. And we just know the, the, like, we just know the the paint by numbers sketch or the, the very rough edges of that in season one. We've delved a lot deeper into it in season two, obviously. We're finding out a lot about where his lack of confidence comes from, um, his family situation, his father especially, was teased at in season one. It has been hammered in season two in a couple of different scenes specifically or a couple of different episodes. Uh, when Nate gets on, gets in the newspaper for being Nate the Wonderkind, he really wants his dad to say something positive about it. His dad cuts him down. Uh, when Nate and he can't get the table, um, that stuff with his dad is a major, major issue, trying right. to look like a big shot to his father. So we know Nate is desperate to be approved. We know Nate is desperate to receive um, the sort of uh, credit that he feels he deserves. Um, I think Ted recognized that about Nate in season one, uh, that he was more than just a kit man who made a sports drink, that he had ideas and that he was smart. Uh, and Ted nurtured that. But Ted has not nurtured it this season. and. Ted has let it go by the wayside. Ted, in some instances, treated Nate very disrespectfully. Uh, whether it's telling Higgins that Nate's gonna that he's gonna crash in Nate's office, clearly without clearing that with Nate, giving him an indoor whistle, laughing when Nate says he's the big dog that needs to talk to Isaac, 
and on and on and on. Like Ted has done this with Nate throughout. And we also know, not for nothing in season one, that even the people that are closest to Ted can get very angry at Ted's lack of desire to care about the tactical aspects of the game, yeah. about what can make AFC Richmond better on the field from a formation standpoint, from a play style standpoint. That has upset Coach Beard, who is like Ted's right hand and who knows Ted better than anybody until Dr. Sharon came along, maybe. But if that can upset Coach Beard, of course it has upset Coach Nate, who the very first scene we see of him in season one, he sprints across the pitch, shouting at them not to walk on it. He is obsessed with AFC Richmond. He cares about it so deeply that, of course, when it comes down to it, Ted's, even through two seasons now, lack of desire to understand or appreciate tactics has, has is really upsetting to Nate. And again, that's on Ted. That is on Ted. So... A lot of this stuff feels very real. My big issue with it is the Nate and Keeley aspect of it. I hated that, and I still hate it. And every time I watch it, I hate it more. And I understand, and I can, I could, I could appreciate from the writing standpoint that the Nate and Keeley relationship as friends has always been one where he is obsessed with Keeley on some level. Um, I think at one point in season one, I forget who he's talking to. I think it might be a Diamond Dog scene with Roy. He says something like to be loved by someone like Keely. She's just so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would be so like I I don't know why you yeah. would ever want anything else. Like we know this is something where he has come to Keely for advice about how to feel like a stronger and better person. That his vulnerability to her has formed a bond between the two of them. All that I understand. Yeah. I hated everything else about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. Uh it's really uncomfortable and like uh, it's just like I don't know. I feel like we get to this moment where, because you know what's happening. That whole like he comes yes. out as before Roy they even Kent. leave her office. Yeah, yeah. You know where that whole thing is going to go. But like then it's like it's like a done deal when he steps out like Roy F and Kent. You yep. know. Yep. And like you know exactly where that scene's going to be, and uh, you see how close they are, and like the whole time, I I like am just sitting there being like. No. Yep. I. This is a contrivance of the writers. It no. didn't have to go this way. No. And I think they wanted it to be like, okay, well, Nate has to have something push him over the edge and cause him to out Ted like that. I don't know why it wasn't a conflict between Nate and Ted. Yeah. I don't know why it couldn't be that Ted was supposed to do something with Nate the night that Ted dropped everything and went out with Dr. Sharon. Like it could have been something as simple as that. Ted standing Nate up or not seeing a message from Nate, or it could have been something as simple as that. It did not have to be this, well, incels get angry, and because incels get angry, look what they do, because then you get down a path, and by the way, the episode leads us down this path, and I hate it. I hate it. Then you get down a path where it feels like, okay, well, Keely maybe is at fault for some of this confusion. She shouldn't have like been evaluating his crotch. She shouldn't have been adjusting his tie. She shouldn't have been the way she was. It is not her fault. She feels like it's her fault, and it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible that she's like apologizing to him for him making her feel uncomfortable, for him not asking for her consent. Yeah. Like She should not have to apologize or feel like she's responsible. The show, in the way that they set this particular relationship up, didn't have to go there. They, they took it too far in this scene. I think they took it too far so that Nate wouldn't seem like a, an outright sexual assaulter, even though clearly, you know, the touch or the act without consent uh, is labeled as such very easily. Like, 
Yeah. I don't think they wanted Nate to seem like that kind of guy. He, they wanted him to seem like a kind of guy who didn't understand. Who would like misread confused. the signal. Yeah. He would misread the signal. Yeah. It, his intent was not to assault. His intent was to do something that he thought was wanted. There was confusion. Like, that's what they wanted. It didn't have to be that at all. No. We didn't have to get there. I think your point about, like, this should have been, like, something... Because it speaks to something else. Uh, in addition to the fact that, like, all of that is really well put. And, like, I think that the show, like, leads us down, like, a path that, like, not only did we not need to go, but, like, it's just, like, really unfortunate. Just, like, poor writing and, like, feeling a certain way about both of these characters. And, by the way, like, we're going to, like, at some point yes. down the line, maybe, like, try and, like, uh, walk some of this back with Nate or, like, try and, like... Uh, like find some like happy-ish ending with Nate towards the end of the show, right? Um, like there's a lot that we're gonna have to like address. You know what I mean? And then I think that there is a point to which like you like take it a little too far. And I and I'm a little concerned that like they've like taken this character Nate, who like there have been a lot of reasons to like feel empathy for him, especially in season one, and then like to like understand like a person who has been like passed over and looked over their entire life, getting a taste of power, and like. Talking through that storyline, I think, is important. Um, but if in like the world of Ted Lasso, we're also going to like try and like land the plane in such a place that like we can do like the it's okay, like we can like get to a place where like we can understand that more and like think like redemption, all of those things. Like, there's just a point where it's like it's just too much stuff, and so like this felt like a totally unnecessary thing um, on top of like the arc that we've been on with Nate. That really, I totally agree, should have been born from conflict between Ted and Nate. Um, but the thing that like is like kind of like like. I'm like, you know, like the the murder mystery, like if you don't see the body, they're not dead type of thing. Uh, like you don't we don't even have a scene where Nate like reaches out to Trent Krim. So when Trent Krim comes to to Ted at the end of the episode and says this, this is running and it's a story about his panic attacks. And he says, I, I had to run it as a journalist, but because I respect you, my source was Nate, which is its own whole can. We'll get of into worms. that. We'll talk about that. I want to um, talk about that. And like that whole thing that whole thing like part of what was frustrating about it for me was like where's the scene where nate does that and so like then i'm left with because i'm an idiot and a psycho and like i'm stuck with this place of, like are am i am i now gonna try like am i trying to like galaxy brain did te- did, did nate actually is this somebody else like is some did something else happen here that i don't think that's this show but like why wasn't there a scene where we see it with nate um and like one of the things that it would be on some shows is because it wasn't actually nate you know what i mean yeah and so like i like i don't think that's where we're going but it was like it was it felt being very critical love the show very obviously we've like been very very clear about how much we love ted lasso i don't feel i don't know why i'm feeling like the need to like clarify that but like there's stuff in this episode that really frustrated me and this was part of it uh was like ethics aside of which i have questions um is like it was narratively a little dumpy you know like this is a little like there was like a a lack of, of of cleanliness to the way that this landed and I think that there has been like a little bit of inelegance in some of these stories this season. This one felt really inelegantly told to me. Well, I completely agree with that. And I think it's all fru- and I I'm going to save the, the the journalistic ethics of it for free kicks. So I really want to break that down with you. Uh I know you have a good perspective on it. What I will say is I feel like the Nate situation, not so much the diming out to Trent because I feel like that's the tail wagging the dog or um, that's that's just like a human centipede, like the end of the chain, because it comes from Nate 
being upset with himself. The last thing we see of Nate in this episode, because we don't get the scene where he's just reaching out and texting somebody on his phone or whatever, even if it was lingering in the changing room at the upscale, uh, whatever you want to call that clothier, um, whatever that kind of business is. I don't even know how that would operate as a business, but clothing store, let's just say um, he spits in self-loathing clearly like spitting in the mirror at himself. Like that's literally spitting in his own face. Um, That's the last we see of him. Like I said, it feels like then what the show is suggesting is his self-loathing and anger over the the romantic interlude that he misinterpreted are why he reaches out to Trent Krim. Not because of anything Ted did, but because of something he did and misunderstood. And the misunderstanding part is because of something Keeley did. And I hate all that, as I've said. Like, this is all what it is because the show decided... This is the beginning of the human centipede. If Nate is the middle and the dump scene at the end is Trent Krim, the beginning of it is the show decided that we needed Roy Kent and Keeley conflict, and therefore we needed a situation to happen that started the escalation. That had Keeley feeling some type of way right. she needed to come clean to Roy about. Yep. And then Roy escalates it. The other, and that's the thing. We have the scene. We have we have an entire character on this season that is engineered and created in Miss Bowen strictly to take Roy Kent's gaze and strictly to make him feel a certain way. Like I hate all of this. I really do not like it. And I love this show. And I still liked this episode because I love the in sync dance that we haven't just talked the about. The in sync dance was hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> so bye, good. bye, bye. So funny. Phil Dunster is Jamie Tart. So committed to that. Uh, Coach Beard, so hilarious about it. I love that we actually got to see it performed. Uh, it's a thing that Jason Sudeikis has done in other media. He's done, I believe, on Ellen. He's done it in uh, in the, the, the hilarious What's Up With That, uh, where his dancing character in the background was just constantly dancing. Uh, and so getting him to, to have the moment where it was talked about feels very Sudeikis connected. And I loved that. Uh, I also liked a, a, a lot, really, about uh, the, there, a lot made me laugh. The Banksy gag, as I said, Higgins talking about his play that he wrote, yes. where a footballer, t- a billionaire, took a footballer to a museum. Oh, really? How did it end? Well, they got a free meal because they were found some glass in their pasta. Like that's the story that you wrote, Leslie. That's it. No wonder this didn't get yeah. anywhere. Uh, yeah. Keely's response to that hilarious. Man, I wish I could write fiction. <laughs> like, yeah. so funny. Yeah. I liked so much about this episode that I. I still liked it as an episode of Ted Lasso. I just, I don't even know how I feel ultimately about Roy and Keeley needing conflict because on one hand, it feels very real. This was a new relationship. They both, I don't know what Roy's situation was like, but clearly he had not been lucky in love. Uh, he'd had his watch stolen by a drug addict. Doesn't but who need a watch needs that when you a got phone. a phone? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and Keeley had just ended a relationship with Jamie, like literally just. Uh, and to the point where it wasn't all the way over, and that was the source of conflict between the two of them from the beginning. But since then, I think even in the moments that we have tracked on this podcast that we were assigning, was this conflict? No, uh, it's resolved. Like they're very good for each other. Their conflict has not really been anything significant. And when it has seemed like it would be significant, they have gotten past it. So I don't know that we needed it any more than we got. It clearly a new relationship like that is going to have a feeling out period. And I don't mean that as a pun or some kind of metaphor. I mean, like they're clearly going to have some ups and downs. That's what happens. That feels real. 
What doesn't feel real is that we need to have it. it do, this doesn't feel like a culmination of a season-long story between the two of them. It only feels like conflict because the finale is about to come up. Like It just doesn't feel like, like, like this was where this was headed and it needed to happen. It feels like the Nate thing happened because they wanted to connect it to Keely and Roy. Right. And they wanted to connect it to Keely and Roy because they wanted conflict in that relationship. I know it's a show about relationships, but we have criticized the fact that that's what these... The focus has been for Keely and Rebecca. This is another brick in that wall, and it's not a brick I enjoy, and it's not a wall I like looking at. Not that I love looking at walls to begin with. Oh, well, um, you're missing out. Unless I'm lining people up against them when Look, the revolution some, begins. Some walls are pretty cool. The patterns, they're wild. <laughs> yeah, they're exactly the my style. Yes, this is the Dan Flash's walls that you're yeah, talking about. Speaking yeah. of, I think you should leave. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Where do you, how do you feel about Roy and Keeley having this conflict? Um, Does it feel like a culmination to no, you? No, no, it doesn't. It feels like they've like been through some situations o- across the season where like they have been in like a bad spot and then like they have found their way through it like we've had like um uh you know like there was like the vulnerability piece that i was a little worried about and then like that ended the way that it did and it was fine and he was very thankful and she loved it and everyone was happy and then there was uh, is it the signal is the episode or which is the one where um i think it's the signal right or maybe it's the one after that where um uh, it's the one after the signal. It's the one where where Roy is like being too clingy, and so like they have to unravel that, and they seem to unravel that in a way that everybody's happy. So like, yeah, Roy makes her take a bath, like she wanted to. There have been <laughs> there have been that's headspace. There have been moments where uh, like they have been in conflict, but within the episode, the conflict resolves in yep. a way that is like the conflict didn't happen anymore. So and it felt like they were growing. Like, okay, yeah. not only are we resolving this within the episode, but we're going upstairs, not right. down. Right. And then uh, Jamie tells Keely that he still loves her. And that's where this like continues. Um, and I think that a huge problem, you asked me, does this feel like a culmination, is that I, I don't think it really does because Keely hasn't had a story this season. Yep. You know, by and large, uh, which has been a, a real uh, a real missed opportunity and a, and a sad use of Juno Temple's incredible talent. Um, so I don't feel like it is a huge culmination. I will say, uh, because you and I do speak offline, and it does happen, folks. <laughs> sorry, it's not all on the record. Um, that we, If enough we, people join the Kosher Recaps Patreon. <laughs> no, not every, you're not we, getting access we, to the text. Would, yes. <laughs> There's no amount. No amount. <laughs> um, that we were talking, and I, I thought that like you at least had a really good perspective on why ultimately, not why, eh, but why ultimately um, for Roy... That maybe um, the uh, the relationship with with Keely is going to be like less good for him than with like someone like, if not exactly the teacher, but like someone with some some semblance of anonymity. Like Roy is at his happiest when he's with the yoga uh, party because they don't know who the hell he is. Right. Like that kind of right. stuff. And here he is. He's doing the Vanity Fair photo shoot with Keely because he loves her and because he wants to be a part of uh, uh, of her life and everything that's going on with her and everything that's fantastic for her. But that's like not his natural state. Like uh, and that's not to say that, like, they should break up. It'll he'll be better. Like, not necessarily. Like, no, sometimes it's really, really, really fantastic yep. to like be like a totally different person from your partner. 
Um, yep. That's like that can be the stuff of like incredible additive material. Well, I can attest uh, to that for sure. You know, and just like ways in which like your life is fully enriched and enhanced by the fact that you're with somebody who's like really different from you. Um, like that can be great. So like I don't think this is like death knell for for Roy and Keely or anything, but I did think it was like an interesting point that there's a world where like. What Roy wants, being like mega famous Roy Kent, who probably resents being mega famous, is like being with someone who's not mega famous. Um, so like those aspects of it, I found interesting to like, uh, like sort of like swirl around. Um, but like, I I still don't love how we got here. I don't love yeah. how we got here, and I don't. And it does feel like fast because like that wasn't like a story that felt like it was really being told across the season. Well, and you certainly would know because you watch every episode five times. Yeah, yeah, and. I think you use the word inelegant, and I think that's probably the best way to put this is, as I said, there's a world where there's a lot of things in play, right? There's a world where, as I said, it makes sense for them to have conflict. It makes sense that they could address this conflict and end up feeling the better for it and still not feel like they're right for each other at this current moment or overall in in the way that... In, in the way that it feels like forever, in the way that it, you know, like that it needs to be forever. Um that's the part where it's like, okay, I don't mind if the show wants to deal with those issues. I, I don't know that we needed it to begin with, but once you get the two of them together, like I think you can tell interesting stories in that realm, and I think you can get there in a way that's not very different to what they were doing. But at the end of the day, um, there there are characters. I'm not going to spoil particular plot points, but there are there are, are shows where this has been the case. Like there are shows where characters don't end up together, and it feels it feels like poetry. It feels correct. It feels appropriate. It doesn't feel like a, a huge, it feels like a heartbreak on some level, but it doesn't feel like a violation. And I don't know if we're there with Roy and Keeley, but I can, I can see a world where we get there because the other thing as Roy points out to her, as he's being a good partner to her and pumping her up is you're Keeley, jo- Keeley fucking Jones, the independent woman, the right. independent woman. That's how she, Bridge the gap with Roy with the hilarious little press conference moment they had that was so cute, uh, where she bumped from seat to seat, the independent woman on the weekend edition, like the independent woman right. online magazine. Like this is Keely Jones, and she has she has made herself. She's self-made. She has created things and created a, a beginning of an empire to the point that Vanity Fair is going to be profiling her now. And it, yeah, I feel like we didn't get enough of those notes throughout the season. There were some of them, but not enough. There were not enough success stories. If anything, putting Sam with Dubai Air feels like a failure story because it's like uh, no sensitivity whatsoever, right? To this guy, to who he is, uh, to the situation at, at heart. There was sensitivity reactively, but not proactively, right? And so I don't, I just don't know that. Um, I don't know that I feel like what Keeley needs is independence or that we've really leaned into that. Like I said, the, the, and I, we complained about it on the podcast at the time, but the conflict of Roy's being too clingy with Keeley is resolved by him just saying, you're going to get a bath and I'm not going to bother you for several hours. Like that's not enough to fix the issue that they had, um, where she was like, you're just too much. There's too much of you in my life right now. We work together. One bath does not fix that, Josh. So. I would appreciate it if there had been more notes, like you're saying. It wouldn't feel like it was out of nowhere. It feels like it's happening because it's about to be the final episode of the season. And it feels like we're in a world where Roy could very well ask Keely to marry him next episode, and she could say no. And then that's all just to set up the ultimate conflict of season three, where they either get back together or they don't. And that's these characters' story. And it's like, 
Roy works so well with everyone on the show. One of my favorite secret quiet pairings that is coming to the surface is Roy with Beard. Yes. I also like the way Roy looks at Nate with very much skepticism. He doesn't boss him around. He doesn't bully him. He doesn't shout at him or yell at him. He kind of cocks his head back and lifts his his eyebrows up, and, and that's the thing. Uh, Roy with Rebecca, f- fantastic. Like Roy with Miss Miss Bowen, fantastic. Like Roy with all these characters is so 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 good um, that I I. I don't feel like Keeley has gotten the same level of service. And it's, it's really upsetting to me that the one way that she had was this interesting kind of relationship with Nate, where there was the, there was the, 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 she's all that of it all, or, or the Pygmalion or whatever you want to map that to with the makeover, the clueless, if you will, um, earlier in the season. And she can be a positive reinforcement force for Nate by showing that, you know, here showing you the way, basically. Let me show you the way. And let me tell you, you don't want to be famous, Nate. You don't want it. Like, that seemed good. And now that's ruined. Like, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about uh, about this. It's all conflict for conflict's sake, not that it feels natural at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. And I just don't, I don't, I don't love it. Um, even though it could feel natural, it just doesn't. It doesn't. Because it just doesn't feel like they've stuck the landing on this this part of it. And it affects so much else of the episode. Yep. I agree. Uh, totally agree. Um, do I need some predictions for the finale? Is that an, a sure. worthy exercise? Yeah, that's fine. We can do that. <laughs> Is it a worthy we exercise? We can do it. Um, we can do it. I don't have any. I mean, go go ahead and fire one at me or ask me. And I'm I'll, I'm ready. Roy and Keeley together at the end of the season or not together at the end of the season? I I'm, I'm sticking with my prediction that he proposes and she says no, and they're they're not. Oh, real, uh, yeah. real Carrie and Aiden situation. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We already know this is a Sex in the City writers room. Like this is already a thing. Um, it's been okay. in the background of this season quite literally. Okay. So there's that. And then Roy's um, going to show up wearing a baby Bjorn. Yeah. Uh, later in season three. Uh, so so Roy and sorry. Keely, no good. Uh, Jamie and Keely. No. 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 Yeah. No. Uh, what do you think on that front? I can see it. I can, I can see it. I can, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Um, I'm not saying I want to see it. I'm saying I can see it. Ted Lass um, suck. I don't want that. Is Nate part of AFC Richmond by the end of the season? No. Fired? Or fired. does he leave? I think fired. Yeah. Picked yeah. up elsewhere? Does he go elsewhere or fired? Yeah, I think goes elsewhere uh, and probably resigns and wants to come back to AFC Richmond. And it's sort of like a, you know, apology tour. He's got to, he's got to learn. He, I mean, he'll be part of the show, but he has to learn in the way that Jamie needed to learn. Uh, I think Nate needs to learn a little humility and Nate needs to little, learn a little bit of respect. I mean, when Roy, as an assistant coach, Roy Kent being Roy Kent said, that's the job, son. Like, you know, you have your, the job is like somebody else is going to get the credit. Like you're part of a team here. Like you're, you need to be a team player. Nobody knows that better than Roy Kent. Roy Kent could get all the credit. Like Roy Kent was happy to give Nate the credit. Yeah. Uh, Roy Kent is happy to, to live in the forest, uh, in the socialist. He's, he's a literally, he, he's literally, he's a team player. He's a you team know? player. Like, yeah. his, that was his career. He may be a captain, but he's still a team player. Right. Uh, and so I think Nate needs to learn a little bit of humility. It doesn't seem likely that he's going to learn that at AFC Richmond. I think he needs to hit the bricks for a while. Um, and I think it'll be a big moment for Ted to fire him. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to yeah. be horrible. I think it'll be a big moment for Ted to fire him. I think it'll be a culmination of a lot of what happened with Ted this season, where it was about it's not your, not everything is your fault, Ted. Some of the things you might feel are your fault, are your fault, but sometimes people are broken and have very little to do with you. And even though some blame could be assigned to Ted being asleep at the wheel or more, more, I would say more like the, the, the ability to deal with Nate requires a lot of emotional energy from Ted. And his emotional energy tank is just so drained. It's just so drained by everything that he is dealing with in his own life, by everything he's thinking about, by everything he's processing. It will regenerate. And there's things that help him regenerate his emotional energy tank, but it is very drained. And dealing with Nate in the way that Nate needed to be dealt with this season required energy that Ted didn't have. So I don't blame Ted for that. I hope Ted doesn't blame himself for it. But I think it will be a big moment for Ted Lasso, the human being, to say, I'm ready to give up on you. Like you need to be fired. There need to be consequences. So I think that'll, I think that'll be part of this. I think that's part of the, the Darth Vader ending is I wouldn't be surprised to see Nate popping up somewhere else by the end of the episode. Um, just to, to set it up, set something in place for season three about, okay, now we're going to move the pieces around. This is our, this is where we're going to have Nate in season three. Wouldn't surprise me. Rupert buys a team, right? Like Rupert buys a team and hires Nate. Um, to really come at AFC Richmond, that could be a thing. Like I, I feel like that 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 Nate is gone by the end of this season. What do you, do you think? It's a yes or a no. Um, I think he's gone. Um, whether he like leaves or is fired. Um, and I, I, I kind of in, um, I can I can imagine the scenario where like um he's he's fired without like a place to go a place to go. And that's like more of like a season three thing, sort of okay. like, I can know, see that like Jamie coming back, uh, this season type stuff, you know? Oh God. Nate's going to be on like lust. What's it called? Like, uh, <laughs> lust, lust Island or whatever. Lust, yeah. yeah. Something like that. I forget that. what it was. Um, have we seen the last of Dr. Sharon? I hope not. I hope not. You I want think to talk we have through that storyline a little yeah, bit more because yeah. we, we really didn't. Um, and like, Ted and Ted and Sharon, especially the last few episodes, has been such a powerful combination, and uh, I'm I'm sad to lose her if if we really did just lose her here. It's tough because on one hand, I feel some type of way about Ted throwing a hissy fit and forcing her to do something she didn't want to do, which is have a goodbye in person. Like she emotionally did not want that. He didn't give a fuck and yeah. pushed her into it. I don't love that. On the other hand, the show made it very clear to us throughout and especially in that moment where it was awkward, where he was in her apartment, literally yelling at her like, and she was telling him, I didn't want to say goodbye. I wanted to write it emotionally. I felt better doing that. Even in that moment, she acknowledges that Ted made her a better person and a better therapist by letting her know that her vulnerabilities were okay and could help her build human connections with her patients in a way that she didn't think about before. And so part of me says, this is growth for Dr. Sharon. Ted forced her to do something she didn't want to do. But at the end of the day, like with him forcing her to be vulnerable to get through to him, maybe she'll look at it as growth. Maybe she'll look at it as positive. I think ultimately these two are very good for one another. May saying, here's one without any shit in it. When that she handed hilarious. her the beer. So damn funny. I love it. So how, like, damn he's funny. passing out the soldiers, but like people seem to really not want him. <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah, it's very hit or yeah. miss for sure. Yeah. It's very hit or yeah. miss for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really like that. Uh, I still want to know who ACM is on that pinball machine. I it's really want to know. It's it ain't you. me. 
I love um, pinball, but it ain't me. Uh, what was the thing about the 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 birthdays again? Because um, they brought up. Uh, I I was sitting there. Uh, this is in the Ted and Rebecca scene, right? Yeah, I, it's a, yeah. Ted and Higgins, I think. Ted and Higgins, yes, and like birthdays are coming up, and I'm sitting there being like. Well, they gave it, they gave Antonio his shout out with ACM. Are they going to give it to me? Is it happening now? Like, I just like had like, sort of like this strong feeling. It was March yeah. 10th. It was March 10th. One day before Mario I was day. So close. Mario, it was Mario day. day. They went with Mario. I was right here. <laughs> yeah. Here you are. I this was is right a Wario, there. This is a Wario origin story. Oh my God. Yes. The day after like, Mario right day here. is that Wario was, day. But that was like a surreal thing where it's like so close. So close. <laughs> so close. Story referee. of my life. Story of my life. Yeah, uh, I, I I love Doctor Sharon. I hope we see her again. Um, but also, I'm okay if we don't. If that means that like her life is fine and she's happy and like she gets to have a happy ending, I do think that like shows should feel comfortable retiring characters more often. Which is one of the reasons why, um, like if Sam gets his own spinoff, like that would be an, a happy scenario for me. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to not spend time with these characters anymore. Uh, there was a. There was a great piece in in Salon uh, by Kylie Cheung, um, who I think has written more about Ted Lasso this season. I think a couple of these Salon pieces have come across my desk, but maybe not. The article is called The Many Betrayals of Ted Lasso, published October 2nd. Right. And uh, Kylie Cheung is uh, someone who, as an author, has written uh, a lot of essays about uh, issues like this, uh, feminist essays, or um, her perspective, I think, is really valuable on some of these issues and particularly with regard to Dr. Sharon, um, she points out that uh, there are issues on this show sometimes with minority characters existing simply to kind of service or improve uh, or carry water for or advance the plot for uh, non-minority characters. And I do, I do understand that there could be um, some connection. Uh, that was something that came up. I, I don't, was it Vulture? who interviewed Sarah Niles about the role and said, like, how do you feel about the fact that you've got, you're playing a kind of a trope in a way uh, where a black uh, female therapist come in and help these white characters, like learn about the world. Uh, And it's like, it does feel tropey, but I will say like, and I, and I, I appreciate that. And I think it's important to call it out, but I also feel like they had a very good relationship. I think Ted and Dr. Sharon were mutually good for one another. Uh, I think that I, I appreciated the bow that was sort of put on that, as I said, in this scene in her apartment. Uh, I don't want it to be the end of Dr. Sharon. Well, the, the problem I have, and I mentioned this with Miss Bowen earlier, is I don't like them introducing characters to add more female characters to the show, for example, or um, bringing in characters who uh, change the the color palette of the leadership team or whatever it is, right? Like, I appreciate that uh, that these characters are brought in uh, to the show. I don't like that it seems like they're brought in uh, just to do one thing and leave. Uh, I don't like that about Miss Bowen. I especially don't like it about uh, about the Doc. Uh, but I will say, um, I, I think there's a role for her in the future of the show. It makes sense from a business standpoint that she was temporary. She was living in corporate housing. Uh, she was only occupying a an office for the season. Um, she's clearly somebody who has worked with a lot of different teams and was for hire and available at the time in the early part of the season. So it does feel temporary. Um, I think there's a way that we could have uh, more doc on the show, and I hope there is because there are plenty of people who need her services. Uh, and in this in this realm, there are plenty of people who still need her help. 
maybe maybe there's a world where she is the the Nate whisperer. Like maybe there's a world where she can help Nate with his issues because that feels like a major thing we had kind of highlighted. Like she and Jamie, he and Jamie both need to see Doctor Sharon. Right. They didn't get the chance to do that. So I don't know. Maybe there's a world where that's her role. Um, but I'm happy with with where we're at with it. I, I would just like to see more of the character because I liked. Same. Their relationship so much. Yeah. Um, let's do some other free kicks, Antonio. What are some of the big things that stood out for me this episode that we did not talk about? Should we just talk about Trent Krim, the independent? Let's talk real about quick? Trent right now. Like, yeah. that was some bullshit for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, like, I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist, so I had to write it. But also, let me violate all of my ethical uh, considerations as a journalist and tell you who my source was. Like, no. Yeah. No. Not for nothing, but also written with just one source, right? Like, yeah. seemingly, it said. Yes. It said sources in the the byline or like whatever you call that right below the the headline, um, you know, where it says like the little the the, the one sentence summary of what the piece is about. Right. Um, it said sources, I think. Uh, yes. Sources now confirm. Like, yes. Uh, should Trent go to market with one disgruntled source no. like that? Yeah. No, absolutely no. not. That's tabloid shit. Especially when he like hypes himself as like as a journalist, I have to yes. do this and like um uh it's it's in the same salon piece that like uh talks about uh you know like uh like uh, like uh, so much of like the issues with like the media and the world today and like trent Krim. um this is this is how it's written in the in the article uh ted lasso has impressed upon its audiences that mr trent Krim is a very serious journalist capital vs uh which makes his behavior inexcusable he's the one who's violated consent this time um yeah it's it's really really shitty uh like i like it's a shitty thing to do and it's just like really unrealistic um i i found myself pretty uh pretty uh annoyed by this part um personally as somebody who has worked in this field to a degree and has worked with sources and like uh yeah no i was asked um in the discord um uh, what do you think uh, from mark what do you think about trent's move to reveal his sources is there any scenario where you should reveal your sources or just don't say like no, like don't do that. Like, yeah. like no, I, 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 I don't think so. No, none that come to mind to me in like the you know the fourteen years or so that I spent in those trenches. Um, that would that would um, that would come to mind. There's a, there's a few specific things, a few specific moments across my career that are coming to mind right now where I had like really uh contentious conversations with people because I wouldn't budge on that. Um, you don't budge on that. Uh, and so like, I think like, but because I respect you, my source was Nate. I think it's like another example of like, you know, like maybe this thing does happen more than I know. I don't know. But like, I feel like when you juxtapose that against Trent, uh, Krim, who is, who is being kind of like portrayed on the show as sort of like this paragon of honesty and truth that like, we're living in this world where like Ted Lasso is so great that Trent is going to like violate his conduct for him on this. Like that feels like. I don't know. We were again. Uh, we we don't always just talk on the podcast. We were talking about, and we have talked about this on the podcast though about like the show's seeming like lack of interest in like process. Uh, like that has happened uh, with like a lot of like uh, the way that football is betray- uh, portrayed on the show. Uh, we talked about that specifically the other week about um, Keeley's job not like being like a, a storyline um, in terms of like being along for the ride. You could say about Dr. Sharon as well that like with the exception of Ted, have we spent any time with Sharon and a client? Like Jamie got walked into the office and that could have been the start of a great Jamie Tart story. And instead it was just like, I just get to like word vomit at you. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly right. He goes, great. And that was it. 
you know, so like the show has not been like deeply interested in processes. And so uh, I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise that like they're just sort of like just going to shorthand our, us to um, like the emotional result of of what has happened here. So like, I don't love it. Uh, it's not, not my favorite thing. Like I will probably not like um, feel like aggrieved in a major way for the rest of my life about this or anything like that, or even like coming back to Ted Lasso next week necessarily. But like, yeah, I didn't love it. Not a huge fan. It just felt so much like a contrivance to me for all the reasons you said. And also like it was already online. Like it was not, it's like, this will be in the print edition tomorrow. I'm like, this ain't 1999 Trent. Like the news is out there. Who gives a fuck about print? And this is the thing. It's he already took it to market. Like it's already out there. Like it's 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 linked. Like public can read. In a situation like this, it would be like you know, this is a story. We're gonna run it. We have it sourced. We're reaching out for you. uh, Yes, reaching out to you for comment. But this is gonna run. Yes, but it's already out there, right? And it's like if the link is already there and Ted can click through and see it, then why wasn't Ted asked for comment before that shit was posted? Like the whole thing feels like a contrivance to me, and it just feels like. Okay, like the the Nate of it all and Nate doing that to Ted, as I said, that feels earned, not necessarily the inciting incident, as we talked about, like why it ultimately happened in this episode, but certainly that it happened at all. It doesn't it doesn't strike me as completely out of bounds. This feels in character for Nate for the reasons I said earlier. However, like the way that it went down with Trent, it just feels sloppy. This just all feels so sloppy. It feels like contrived and it feels like. It does feel like what the show wants us to believe is that Ted and and Trent in their two or three interactions that we've seen on screen, right? Like the episode where Trent is following him around, the time when Trent hits him up in the pub and gets him on record saying that it was a stomach problem. And then, you know, maybe the question when Ted when Trent asked Ted about Earl Grey, uh, Earl Greyhound, and Ted gives the great answer. I feel like that might be it. Like that might be their only interactions. Um in those moments, somehow, they have built such a deep connection that Trent would do this and would, would break all journalistic integrity and without his source. It just okay. wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. I will accept that. It, I, I know that it wouldn't happen. I will accept that the show wants us to believe that it's that big of a thing that it happened. However, if that's you, you ask the guy for fucking comment on the story before you print the story. Yes, yes. Yes. Don't write the thing without asking the and guy for comment. It, and then you publish it. And then you if ask you for comment. If you care that much about him, you don't do that. So yeah, like if it just you're, doesn't matter. If you're going to run the thing without comment, uh, you've already reached out. The person didn't get back to you in, by uh, by your deadline that you articulated in the reach out. Yep. Uh, and you say uh, such and such could not be reached for comment at yep. this time after yep. repeated attempts. Some, yep. You know, like... This yep. isn't how it's done. So that, no, right. So I just I can't live in a world where um, this worked for me. Uh, even though I love Trent Krim as a character, I like that he as was sort mane, of the kingmaker as a head yes, of hair, as a, as a beautiful mane of hair, <laughs> yeah. a lion mane of hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I do love I do love Trent Krim, and I like that he was the kingmaker in a way. It was his cosign of Ted Lasso's coaching methods in season yeah. one that gave it such gravitas that gave the, a lot of belief that this could work or that it was worth rooting for. He was the cosine that mattered. I appreciate that. This is just, it didn't work for me uh, and not for nothing. I hated that the way it ended, it, it, there were a couple things in this episode that I want to talk about very quickly that were um, the way the episode was made. 
there were a couple inserts of envelopes of cash or, or wads of cash being slapped down on the table unceremoniously when Ted's angry at Dr. Sharon. Gotcha gift. It's an envelope of cash. And he slaps it down. And we have an insert of this envelope of cash close up being like slammed down on the table and spilling out. Right. It felt very dirty. It felt very transactional. It made their relationship, which Ted has always dwelt on the transactional nature of it and his problems with it. It felt very dirty. It felt transactional. It felt like, you know, where I'm paying you for this, like the privilege of having known you. Um, and then there was another time when Roy was buying the pictures of the breasts, which is another thing, by the way, it was in there, I guess, as a goof, but also to get Roy to look at Miss Bowen's breasts, which he does. It was like, this is so bad and so awkward. And Child Protective Services in the United States would be called uh, if a if an eight-year-old or however old Phoebe is, is drawing like nude pics in class like that, like hyper-realistic nude pics. That tells you she's seeing a lot of that material at home. That's a concern. In this instance, it's just played as a goof and to make Roy like look at the teacher. But at the end of it, Roy slams a bunch of uh, pound notes down on the table and we get an insert of those pound notes on the table again. So the way that the process of this episode was made, I think there were some interesting things. One of the things I hated, though, was right after Ted has that horrible moment where he learns about Nate diming him out and he has the thing with Trent Krim. He sort of runs off screen into like a corner of his apartment and not for nothing for a guy whose father took his own life whose mental health is questionable. Like, I don't love that. That's the way this episode ended. It's like, what is Ted going to do? I don't like that. That's uh, what is Ted going to do? That that's how we end this with Ted sort of awkwardly running off screen. Like, I, I just don't love that. That's how we ended the episode. And that's how we ended this scene. I just, I did not like it. I did yeah. not like it. Yeah. I did not like it. Yeah. Even though karma police was a great needle drop by Radiohead there uh, to take us away. This is what you get. Yep, this is what you get uh, when you mess with us. Like I, I, I did like that. That was the drop at the end, but I did not love him sort of running all out of frame uh, and the frame being empty uh, and Ted less in Ted's apartment there in Ted's private personal space, his safe space. Ted sprinting away from it, like doing whatever he's going to do. Much like he sprinted to the bathroom in Doctor Sharon's safe space. Um, it was very similar. Kind of it's like, what the hell is going on here? So I did not like that, uh, and that's unfortunate. Because, as I said, there was plenty. There was plenty in this episode that I that I did like. Um, I loved when Roy came in and met the teacher, and he wanted to say uh, the f word, which I've said multiple times in this episode. And I am sorry for your children if anyone heard it. Um, he says, "Fun." That sounds like fun. Yeah, that's good. I also laughed incredibly hard. <laughs> when it was all said and done with uh, Miss Bowen and Roy and Roy leaves and the, the other teacher comes into the room, the teacher with the, the sucker sweater, the lollipop sweater. She comes in and is like, ooh, and Miss Bowen's, <laughs> what does she say? She says, grow the fuck up, Karen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Karen is clearly like 15 or 20 years older than her. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. That is so awkward and uh, unfortunate. I laugh so hard yeah, at that. Poor funny. Karen. Yeah. Karen's face. That actress was great. Yeah. Poor Karen. She was grow really up. good. Grow up. She was good. Yeah. Uh, I also really liked, um, even though I did not like that we ended up here or how we ended up here, I really liked that the Keely and Roy situation took place in that photo shoot that they had to look at each other mm -hmm. and then they yeah, turned and looked at yeah. us. Yeah. And oh God, they look like Whistler's mother. They are not Whistler's mother. They look like American Gothic. They just looked like just that the, the weight of the world had in, beaten them down. In that moment, Roy Kent's eyebrows looked psychotic. 
Yeah, they did. They really did. Uh, they really did. And I also do, you know, not for nothing. That's sort of a bit of a Samson and Delilah kind of thing, right? Like any person who puts Roy in a position where his eyebrows are meant to be stripped away from him. That's um, his, that's his Samson's beard. I think it might be yeah. like, it, it's a big part of what makes Roy can't Roy can't. And for them wanting to snatch those brows, it, it just doesn't feel right to me. Uh, and it clearly has triggered Roy. And, you know, I, I really like the small things. I think they get the small things in the writing, right? So often Nate's response to Roy's eyebrows being crazy. A first is to look at beard and beard gives it the head nod. No way, man. And then Nate is to say, are my eyebrows crazy? Like, he immediately makes it about himself. Yeah. He immediately makes it about himself. No sensitivity to Roy's emotions, whether Roy would receive that well or not. It's about Nate. Like, I, I want to know if my eyebrows are crazy. That's what Nate cares about. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they get a lot of the little, the little moments like that incredibly right. Uh, and they should be rewarded for that. How did you feel about Ted's racist joke in that realm? Um, I may have missed it. Well, when uh, Edwin Akufo lands his chopper on the pitch and then enters and walks and says, he apologizes, I thought your training would be over, as if that would uh, make it okay to land a helicopter on a training pitch. He says... Uh, where would you land a helicopter? Just at, 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 a, at a landing pad, where you're supposed to land a helicopter. You know, mm-hmm. where it's designated that you're supposed to land a helicopter. I also wouldn't take one, not for But nothing. if you could land a helicopter in, like, I don't know, a cool place, where would it be? Um, that's very good. Quite probably on top of the White House. Yeah, I would yeah. probably land a helicopter, uh, on like a bouncy castle, so that the <laughs> helicopter then bounces back up. I think it would deflate them. I think Why? you're talking about you're talking about a massacre of many children. I'm talking about a massive bouncy castle that no one's on. Thank you. And then like you land on it, it's big enough for your helicopter to land on, and then it pushes you back up. Do you know how bouncy castles work? Yeah, like that. Okay. I think that might work. Do you think that we should make a castle-sized bouncy castle? Yeah. And I'm not talking about the Nathan Fillion uh, role castle. I'm talking about like the size of an actual castle. Although I, I'm now also intrigued uh, <laughs> by a bouncy Nathan Fillion. <laughs> yeah, that would work. That yeah, would work. A bouncy castle. Um, yeah, a castle-sized bouncy castle sounds really, really fun. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's a goal. That's a goal. Yeah. Life goals. Life yeah. goals. I think I would do the White House just because it's like the like you know it's like landing it on Fort Knox. Maybe yeah. that's where you go, but like yeah. a place where you're really not supposed to land a helicopter. That's where I would like to you land feel a helicopter. Cool. You feel yeah, you would feel cool. like the king of the world if you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, one other thing I want to mention: uh, Nate's tactics, false nine, uh, pretty common tactic in football. It it basically, I think Beard sort of summarizes it. it it's it's a little bit like keeping your aces up your sleeve, but. It's another way of saying, like, I think we talked about this with Nate's, um, Nate's previous tactic, which was parking the bus. Like, football, in so many ways, is a game of space. It's a game of getting into space where you're not being defended or you're pulling defenders away from certain spaces that then other members of your team can run into or can pass the ball into and find themselves undefended. Um, so what a false nine does is it, it, it takes your your striker who's at the front of your line and it sort of drops them a little further back. So they're available to assist the defense, but it allows people to run uh, on into areas uh, because they pull defenders with them when they're not, they're not dropping back. It exposes the space behind those defenders. So depending on the team they're playing might be a very good tactic. I am interested to see with now that Nate's situation is what it is. And Ted knows about Nate going to Trent. What are we going to do with that tactic? Is it going to be the thing that wins them the match? Is it going to be the thing that loses them the match? Yeah. Is it not going to be used at all? 
I feel like it's important to put a pin in that because I have always thought that this, you know, this season, this series is about them getting back to promote it. As Ted says at the end of season one, we'll go up, we'll win the effing thing. Um, and that seems to be where they're headed. Uh, but maybe they don't get promoted here. Like maybe they lose. You asked for predictions earlier. What's your prediction? Are they going back up or not? Up, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I think but it's that- got to be up with a downside, right? Sure, yeah. But I think like that's like the emotional fallout. Like it's like success for the team, but at what personal cost? Yep. And so that may be firing Nate like before the match and feeling like they use his tactic to succeed. And it's like he could have added so much. He's a smart guy, but man, he really violated the family trust here. Uh, the other thing about that salon piece that I found to be so relatable and so good uh, is there's a there's a strong take in there about how AFC Richmond has been uh, positioned as a family, but corporations do that all the time. They make you feel like you're your family by working there, and you have to sacrifice maybe even for your actual family, for your work family, and you have to you have to take your lumps and you have to do it because you're part of a team and you're part of a family. When in reality, the benefits are only really inuring to like a, a small group of people. And that's capitalism to a T, right? And so I think it's interesting that the show is getting there on that front uh, and that power-hungry people like Nate will do whatever they can to acquire power. What really resonated with that piece, the salon piece, is that in both cases, Nate is trying to take something uh, that is that is not, you know, that he's basically trying to acquire a relationship that is someone else's. Um, that's uh, That's really like... He equates that like everything he's doing is essentially trying to take from someone else. It's not to try to just get from himself. It's trying to take from someone else. It's trying to take the credit from from the, the forest and want it for himself. And it's trying to take a relationship that has been built and has succeeded and sustained through all this other conflict uh, that we've talked about and the ways that they've grown. And Nate wants it for himself. He just wants it for himself. He knows Nate, that Roy's in a relationship. He makes that move anyway. Like Nate is a selfish person. And so it will be very interesting to see if his tactics actually play a role in the final or not. So I'm glad we agree that they're going up, but with uh, with a downside. Because it wouldn't surprise me if they stayed down, but with an upside. So- no, I don't think so. Because like then, like next season, unless a time jump, right, which is possible, is just going to be so much of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I think like the the team's got to be on the rise. Yeah, and I will. Uh, I'll be interested to track if that. Uh, if what 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 are the negative aspects of that? Because my my thought had been they'll win, but at what cost? And the cost will be Nate's going to spill all the tea, and Nate has already spilled the tea before the match. So now I want to know what happens. Yeah. Uh, now I definitely want to know what happens. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we'll find out what happens next week. On- I, I have. I'm sorry. I have one more question for you. Go. For I'm it. sorry. I have one more question for you. Why do you think, other than writer's contrivance, why do you think it is that Healy did not tell Roy about Jamie and Roy did not uh, did not tell the uh, the teacher, Miss Bowen, that he was in a committed relationship? Um, I don't know. I think it could it could have been just like it didn't come up. Uh, I don't know. I like it I, did. It did come up with no, Roy and the teacher, though. Yeah, like I just like I didn't see it as like a like a huge thing. Like I don't know. I'm not like walking into every room and like telling someone who I've just met like you know every personal detail about myself. So like I did. I didn't like in the moment like clock it as a big thing, and then when he clocked it as a big thing, I was like, oh, I mean, I guess he didn't. He didn't disclose that. Um, and he didn't, he doesn't know why I think is the important part. He's not sure why he didn't disclose it. He just knows he didn't. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. And what about, and you think the Roy and Keely, the Keely and Jamie situation is just because she knew it would upset Roy and she wasn't therefore bringing it up because she didn't want to upset Roy when it was a thing that she didn't really feel positively about anyway. She's not like she's pining away for Jamie. It's just that she didn't want to trouble Roy with something that ultimately she knew would cause him trouble. I hope that that's it. Um, but I am, uh, I would, I could, I can, like I said, like I can imagine a scenario where it's because like that was very resonant with her, you know, like she and Jamie had big, half big history. They were together for a while. Uh, at least we think, right. You know, they were together for a, a large swath of season one. Um, that I like, is there like, was that like, a, I don't know what to do with these feelings. So I'm just going to pretend they don't exist, which is like a common way we as human beings deal with things that we don't want to deal with. <laughs> you know, uh, it could have been that it could have been that, um, or it could have been that she's trying to spare Roy some agitation. Um, but it popped out, it came out. And that was like the, that was like the thing that we held on to. Like that was the, that final note. Um, and I am nervous as to where that could go. Me too. All right. That's all. I'm sorry. I had that in my notes and I wanted to make sure we got to it. All good. I'm not altogether confident that it's going to go in a place that I want it to go. Uh, yeah, me neither. Me neither. I think, I think it's do? the Dark Forest thing. I think it's like you, you should be assured that by the end of season three, um, this will all be where we need it to be or we'll feel good about where we're at with it. But we may not feel good about it right now. And I think that is... That's where we're at. I mean, I think that's that's the situation, and I, I I think it's important to contextualize whatever could happen with this in in that context for sure. Totally. Uh, all right. Next week finale: inventing the pyramid of success. Has that not been invented yet? I know a it's, lot it's, of pyramid schemes have, have been comprised in the past. I'm going to ask you to uh, to take a little fine pen here and reread the title of that episode. Inventing. Did you? Is it? Is it inventing? Uh, on Wikipedia, it's inventing, inventing, not inverting. Uh, on Wikipedia, it's inventing, but perhaps on Apple TV, it could be inverting. I don't know. I'm, I'm, let's see if I can pull up Apple TV. The reason I thought it was inverting the book. pyramid of success is the book inverting the pyramid, right? Uh, which was Beard. The first book we really saw Beard reading in se- in season one. Um, it is a uh, well known and well respected football tactics book. If you have any interest in the history of football tactics, like the way that they've evolved over time, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, if you don't like that sort of thing, it's dry enough to start a fire. Um, <laughs> but uh, on Apple TV Plus, it looks like it says inverting the pyramid. Yes, yes. And further further Googles uh, would, uh, so would the, put it in the that The pyramid place has as well. been invented, but it yeah. maybe has not been inverted. Yeah. Good job, Wikipedia. Uh, who edited that one? Uh, probably Mr. Pedia himself. Mm-hmm, I can't believe it. we're going to have to have a conversation with uh, with uh, uh, what's his what's his first name. We'll call him Harold Pedia. Harold Pedia. Yeah, Harold Harry Pedia. Peds. Harry Peds. Harry Peds and I are going to have some words when we come up. <laughs> well, we will invert the pyramid of success next week when we talk about the season two finale of Ted Lasso. Um, I think like uh, I, I don't know. I think like just like a, a bunch of like uh, of like really frustrating, tough things to watch this week um, that like uh, were were hard to process. Uh, I, I'm really grateful for getting the chance to talk it all through with you, Antonio. And I'm I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful for the finale um, to 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 be a great episode that um, will will get us off to the right start for um, you know heading into what could be an end game. But if Apple TV Plus 
has its way probably won't be for Ted Lasso. Um, but I'm I'm really curious to see how the show wants to set the stage for that third season. Uh, I got my eye on this finale. A lot of my like feelings towards this season will fairly or unfairly will ride on the way it concludes. Same girl, same. Except for I am looking forward to um, the you know I, I I am mindful of what the show has said about the dark forest and and all of that that we just talked about. I, I'm I'm looking forward to Ewoks dancing uh, is what I'm saying at the end of the third series. Yeah, uh, and the Ewoks performing "Bye Bye Bye" by Insync. Oh, what a great shout! I mean, I feel like part of the issue with Nate is they jam the prequels Anakin into the uh, Darth Vader of Empire Strikes Back. It's like you can't do all of this at once, yeah. and so like uh, maybe we're we are going to have the "Bye Bye Bye" Ewoks, and that's it. It's too much Vader. It's too much Vader, man. Sometimes too there's much. too much Vader. It's yep. hard to like get to that threshold, but it does exist. All right, yep. we'll be back next week. Antonio's at AC Mazzaro. How many Zs? How many Rs? It's uh, two Zs and one R. Uh, Antonio is actually at Round Howard, so definitely tweet Antonio at Round Howard about all of your questions about Ted Lasso podcasts on post show recaps, the campus tour that you can get at that five dollar level at patreon.com slash post show recaps. Tweet Antonio at Round Howard about pizza. What else? No, don't use my DMs at Round Howard because uh-huh. I don't check them. <laughs> People true. like send you something like two yeah. weeks ago and you still haven't responded. That's for I sure. Still have, I still haven't responded. I That's still for sure. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, folks. We'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Cheers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.